open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Mark Wong Tower, Mark Wong Tower, this is Albatross 1 3, requesting permission to land. Over. I don't need a computer to tell me how to land a damn airplane. Six. Heads up display, check. Five. Lasers, check. Four. Particle beam, check. Three. Photon bolts, check. Two. Chair control, check. One. Let's do it. Broadcasting from a secret underground location somewhere in Moss Eisley, this is the Docking Bay 77 Podcast. Make yourself comfortable. The show is about to start. Hello and welcome to the Docking Bay 77 Podcast. I am your host, Dar. No, I'm kidding. This is Dayton Johnson. And how you doing? Good. All right. Joining me this week... I have some fantastical friends of mine. We have filmmaker David Burns. How's it going, David? It's going great. How are you? Wonderful. Cool. And the mouthiest of us all, we have Scott Hoffman. How's it going, Scott? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing great. Thanks. <laughs> no cheating this week. No cheating. Nope, not at all. Liar. All <laughs> right. Before we get into it, the listeners out there, do us a favor. Like, follow, Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. Five-star ratings are wonderful. They help more people see our work, listen to our work, hear our work, that kind of thing. That's wonderful. And if you'd like to support the show another way, you can also go to Patreon. And for little as a dollar a month, you can help support the cost of the show. You can interact with us on social media, on Twitter at DockingBay77Pod, on Facebook, DockingBay77Podcast. And you can send us an email, docking77podcast at gmail.com. Today, we are going to compare and contrast two very cool fantasy films from the 80s. We are comparing The Beastmaster versus Crawl. Now, before we get into our first movie, um, when and where did you guys see uh, The Beastmaster? David, you go first. I saw the Beastmaster on HBO in 1986. I uh, remember the year, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I did see it. I saw it on HBO. I was still a little too young uh, to see this in the theater. Um, I think I was what, 10, nine when this came out. Yeah, I was nine years old. So I saw it on HBO uh, and immediately fell in love with this film and still love it to this day. All right, Scott. Yeah, same for me. I mean, um, I know it was definitely on TV. It was not in the theater. Um, and I think it was on heavy rotation with HBO at the time. Yep. Right. Um, because I remember seeing it several times <laughs> um, and just being glued to the set every time I saw it. Now, um, yeah, same as me. I'm, I'm sure I saw it on cable. Um, I, I know I rented it at least a couple of times. And I also remember it being on like TNT and stuff like that, like all the time, you oh, know? Wow. So and yeah, every time it was on, I watched it. It's, uh, it's still a favorite of mine. Um, as I've gotten older, I've noticed more things. Uh, so we'll get into that, but uh, it's stuff. I, I own the, I own a copy. I recently bought a copy of it on DVD. Um, the special features are cool, but it was funny. There's no subtitles, no <laughs> subtitle options on this. I'm like, man, this is kind of cheap. Um, <laughs> there was supposed to be a booklet inside too. And there wasn't. And I'm like, I bought this new, where the hell the booklet go? Anyway, <laughs> I'll get over it. I'll be fine. <laughs> um, it 
It was foretold by witches. It was conceived through sorcery. And it was to be destroyed by all that is evil. But the courage of one mortal saved it. And so, into an age of darkness, in a time of mysticism, sacrifice, and plunder, there came the only light, the Beastmaster. Born with the strength of a black tiger, the courage of an eagle, the power that made him more than any hero. More than any lover. He was lord and master over all beasts. He was the beast master. Behold the wonder. The horror. The fantasy. The challenge of the one warrior they called the beast master. Mark Singer is Dar. Tanya Roberts is Kerry. Rip Torn is Mayak. John Amos is Seth. Together they take us on a fascinating journey back into unexplored times. Conquer your fears. Face the unknown. And discover the incredible link between man, animal, and all that is phantasmagorical. In the world of dungeons, dragons, and Dar. The Beastmaster. The epic adventure of a new kind of hero. So yes, uh, David's prepared a little bit of production history for uh, our first feature, The Beastmaster. Mm-hmm. I do. So uh, the Beastmaster was released in 1982, uh, based loosely, and I'm going to say loosely, off of Andre Norton's series of books of the same name, uh, because uh, it obviously took place in a completely different time period uh, than this movie takes place. Right. Uh, Script was written by Don Corsarelli, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. Sounds right. Uh, Paul Peppermint and Andre Norton. And of course, as we know, it was directed by Don Corsarelli. Music by Lee Holdridge, which I would I want to say I loved Lee Holdridge's score in this. Mm-hmm. Um, it would star Mark Singer, Tanya Roberts, Rip Torn, John Amos, and I do want to mention Joshua Milrad, who played Tal uh, in this movie. Um, I want to do a call out for him in case he is listening to this. Um, when I was a kid, uh, 1986 is when I saw the movie. Um, at that time, I was about 13, so I was a little bit younger than him uh, when he uh, did this role. Uh, but I immediately took to his character because it was my age. Clearly, I know a lot of people probably wanted to be Dar, uh, you know, the Beastmaster. But, you know, <laughs> come on, I'm a kid. I'm obviously going to gravitate a little bit more towards uh, Tal's character because he was around my age. Who doesn't want to go on an adventure with people like this? You know, <laughs> right. 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 Yeah. But call out to him, you know, uh, kudos to him for being in for being in this film and for that role. Very cool. Um, director uh, Don Carsey decided to set the story in a sort of brawn age because he was a longtime fan of Steve Reeves and Ray Har- Harryhausen, which hopefully we all know who that is. And he had a love of sword and sandal flicks, right? Uh, which is clearly uh, dominant in this film. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> it was filmed in California and in Nevada. 
Uh, Dar's black tiger is actually a regular striped, striped tiger uh, dyed black. Uh, the dye would wash off. And I believe in some of the scenes in the movie when he's like <laughs> drinking, you can see uh, that washing yeah. off. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, four tigers actually played him. Uh, the main one was, I believe, named Kipling uh, was the name of the main tiger. Uh, my favorite part of the film, Kodo and Frodo, or excuse me, Kodo and Podo. Right. Uh, 25 ferrets <laughs> played these two. Uh, because as we, probably everybody knows you can't really train ferrets very right. well. So, uh, you know, they had to bait them in order to get to do them to some of the things that they did, which they did a good job because I never really saw uh, baiting them, I guess. So right. I guess they did a good job. And the eagle, which I find funny, n- never really wanted to fly on cue. So they dropped it out of a hot air balloon. <laughs> I <laughs> saw that. <laughs> to get it to fly, which I think is hysterical. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. But the budget was $8 million and it would go on to make $14 million. So I guess it was profitable, right? Right. Maybe by a few million. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it made a lot of its money um, in syndication and video rentals and stuff like that more than. Oh, it, oh it, yeah. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because it's a cult classic now. Right. So I have a quick Mark Singer story. Um, so I've, I've been a fan. Obviously, I watched him in this. I saw him on V. Uh, so, you know, I'm familiar with him. And I was at a Star Wars celebration a handful of years ago, back when it was still in uh, Indianapolis. And they, of course, always have uh, groups of actors at these cons. And he was one of them. And he oh, was cool. very approachable. He was talking to us. I, of course, I was wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. I had Yoda on. So he calls me out. Say, hey, you know, like, shirt. Sure. Like, cool. So I walk over and start talking to him. Now, if you haven't noticed through this podcast, I'm kind of a movie nerd. So um, <laughs> <laughs> we all are dating. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, I actually... I was trying to, I guess, show off maybe that I knew of another movie he was in that um, most people wouldn't have referenced. And it's called, um, if you could see what I hear mm-hmm. where he played a, a blind person based on a book written by the uh, character that he actually plays. And I mentioned it to him and I'm, he must not have really liked that movie because as soon as I mentioned it, he kind of shut off a little bit. Like, Ooh, <laughs> I'm oh like, boy. I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I looked at him like, uh, V is cool, you know, <laughs> which I, you know, I'm like, I saw it all the time on cable and I, I thought it was a fun movie. So I, I don't know. I think I upset him. So I'm going to wow. apologize. Sorry, Mark. I didn't mean to upset you, dude. That was, you know, <laughs> I like the movie. Sorry. Anyway, um, moving on. All right. So uh, let's talk about a few of our favorite things. Uh, Scott, why don't you give us a few of your favorites? Yeah. So um, I think one of the things, uh, that hit for me. And I don't know how specific that this is, but um, it hit in 1983, same year as masters of the universe cartoon uh, coming on. Um, And for me, there was, there were so many similarities with the masters of the universe cartoon, Mm -hmm. Um, just the use of the tiger and the, the outfits and the, the sword swinging and all this other kind of stuff. Loved that kind of choreography. Um, And there was such a connection with that. I think that's one of the reasons why it became one of my favorites. Um, every time it would come on, I'd want to watch it end to end, even though there are so many things about this movie that are probably inappropriate for me at that time. <laughs> um, yeah. Aside from the first time that you see Kiri in the pool, but uh, like just so many just disgusting things um, <laughs> about it. Um and when I was rewatching it uh, recently, you know, even watching the the opening um, credits, when you see that picture of uh, the tiger, mm-hmm. I don't know how to say the name, Roof, 
Rue. Rue. Yeah. Rue. Yep. Um, uh, that opening shot looks like a battle cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does so much. Yeah, it does. Um, and I think that's just really what hit for me. It was kind of like watching a live action Masters of the Universe movie before we got Dolph Lundgren. we're not going there oh boy we're not going there (laughs) so and that kind of relates to the other uh thing that really um one of my favorite things about it is the theme song Mm -hmm. um okay i think the opening for beastmaster is um in my opinion better than the opening for crawl i agree Uh, (laughs) just because that that theme song gets you right in it starts to kind of rally you in even though it just gives you a little bit more atmosphere with all those static shots, you kind of get the sense for what kind of a ride you're going to be on. It's very Conan esque mm-hmm. uh, kind of a thing. Um, and I guess the, the other thing that's probably my favorite is just uh, when uh, Dar and Seth uh, team up. I think there's great chemistry with uh, between Mark Singer and um, John Amos. Yeah, um, there is. They, <laughs> I liked reading about the the story that when they first saw each other in costume, they just <laughs> could not stop laughing. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't doubt it. But I think those characters were really done well. I think all the characters in here were um, really well done, including the animal characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all had great performances. Um, the difficult eagle doing what it has to do, <laughs> but uh, it was just so cool. Just all the use of his powers and uh, and the way they get that done. Mm-hmm. Now, David, do you want to speak again to the score? Because I know you said you really liked it. Yeah, no, I mean, well, we're going to talk about both of these films. So both these films had really good scores. Yeah. Um, the Beastmaster obviously lovely Holdridge's score to this. I, I thought it was very thematic. Uh, it matched what was going on. And just as Scott said, uh, you know, it, it the way it begins, it completely sets you up with what's going to happen in this film. You're already pumped and ready to go with it. So, yeah, yeah kudos to Lee Holdridge for that. Yeah, I will say that... Um... It was. It is a good piece of music. The whole. Mm-hmm. Th- I mean, the whole thing. Um, I personally think it works better than the other movie, but we'll get to that. Uh, we'll hit a few of my favorite things real quick. Uh, the first thing on my list: uh, the Birdman creature things. Oh yeah, the devour- oh, yeah. the wing devourers. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, those are so cool. Yeah, so cool. And uh, I like how they set it up. Uh, he's walking along and he sees just the lights at the top of the mountain, and he's like, "What the hell's that?" So of course yeah. he goes up there, and. Um, you know, you got the big pot of stuff with the head that pops out of the water, out of the stuff. And even the Rue's like, I'm not touching that. That's disgusting. <laughs> uh, and then he just kind of turns around and there's a little dude. I mean, that, that guy was in the cage. Where'd they steal him from? He looked like he was barely 15 or 14 years old. Uh, and then when he gets nabbed up and then, uh, oh my God, after that, I was like, um, does the movie end here? I mean, what's going on? Right. Because yeah. you're thinking, how is he going to, then here comes the the eagle dropped out of the hot air balloon and lands on their statue. And that was cool. Yeah. Those were very cool. Those are, they were kind of horrifying at the same time. They were. Yep. It was a very visceral effect. Like Mm -hmm. they sound fleshy wings, but yeah, the goopy sound when they're digesting. (laughs) Oh my God. And then they just drop a bag of skeletons. Yes. And you hear all that tumbling. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So along the same lines, I want to mention uh, the witches. Uh, oh yeah for mayax okay the creepy sexy witches yeah well that's what's so funny about them uh number one 
um, when you first see them, you only really kind of see their bodies. You don't see their face. You're thinking, all right. And then you see their faces like, holy crap. <laughs> yep. Uh, but I, I love that idea that, you know, you know, they're physically, their bodies are great, but then they're, mm. they're so evil and horrid that their faces look that way. Now I want to call out um, one of them. Uh, it was uh, witch number three is Janet Jones, uh, the actress from American Anthem and also some other small roles, but also, you know, married to uh, a hockey great Wayne Gretzky. So oh. I'm not really sure which one she was. Uh, I don't know her body that well, but <laughs> it said number three. So maybe she was the one that gets killed at the end. I'm not quite sure. Um, and of course, what we've already mentioned once the animals um, mm. and which leads me to a question. Which one of those would you want to have as your own? I know my answer. I want the tiger. I mean, for God's sake, <laughs> I want the tiger. That's a tough call. I mean, I love all the animals, but uh, I'm going to have to agree with you, the tiger, because, you know, he's going to be defense for you. Right. So, and he's going to scare off anybody who's going to come around you. So I've got to go with the tiger. Well, and so would Poto and Kodo count as one choice? Well, yeah, of course they would. Yeah. All right. They're set. Then Poto and Kodo. Yeah. All right. Well, actually, there's <laughs> 25 the- of them. So maybe just. <laughs> right. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> Although Dar needs to uh, have a little bit more imagination when he's naming pets because his, his dog in the original, in the, you know, when he was uh, at home was named Toto. Toto. Right, I know. Yeah. So I'm just glad it wasn't like something with Odo for all the other animals. Yeah. Okay. I got it. I, I got to give some respect to Mark Singer though, to having to make that noise that he makes whenever he calls the, yeah. the eagle. Yeah. yeah. That had to be hell on his voice. I'm sure. I'm thinking they probably got one good take and just reused it every time. So. I'm sure. Right. <laughs> ADR. Yeah, yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, David, a few th- uh, things you love about this movie. So both of you have picked out a few of mine that I had, I had chosen, but um, I'll just name a few. Um, so I love the fact that this movie has two villains. I, yes. I love you get Mayax, mm-hmm. but then once you defeat Mayax, you're like, all right, we're relieved. Hey, everything's done. Oh, no, you're not. Now we have the Johns who are coming and now we got to get pre- prepared to fight them. So I love that about the film that right. we have. We have the two villains. Um, I loved the death guard. Those creepy. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Those things were like <laughs> crazy. And I would not want to have to fight any of them. Um, you know, with how they put that. What is that? That bug down in their leech, ear. Some kind of oh, leech. Yeah. 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 And just like basically destroyed their brain and just turned them into these wild, crazy people. Yeah. Right. No, thank you. <laughs> but I thought those were creepy and cool, especially when they're going down the, the hallway and they were trying to reach yeah. out and like get on. Right. Yeah. Whew, yeah. No, thank you. They got a lot of mileage out of those, uh, that glowing green effect. Yeah, they did. Yes, they sure did. Yep. And then I really like the uh, fight with the Johns at the end with the, the tar pit with it being on fire. Um, I thought that was a really cool um, fight at the end. Yeah. We'll yeah, get to so. that. <laughs> yeah. And and the, the leader of the Juns. The Juns. Who, yeah. He was cool. Uh, he was really cool. He reminded me of the guy from Dungeons and Dragons cartoon. Do you guys remember that? He was like red and blue. Yeah. Uh, he had that, like that helmet looked like oh, the leader of the Juns. Uh, uh, War Duke. Yeah. War Duke. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I had, yeah. Cause I had that action figure because okay. yeah, that's how old I was <laughs> and, uh, and how much I remember. I got that. And, uh, the Viking character, I can't remember uh, what his name was, but uh, yeah, I had War Duke. Cool. I had War Duke. Yes, very yeah, cool. War yes, Duke, War Duke was always very cool. Yeah, very <laughs> cool. Uh, actually, so much so that I, uh, um, like I said, referencing my D and D youth, I actually designed a campaign where the Juns were the villains. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, <laughs> I had to be Jones. creative with his weapon because it didn't really exist, so I had to get creative with that. But the anyway. switchblade cudgel. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? And then he gets swinging it right. It's just like, what the hell is he doing? Um, yeah, I, there's there's definitely good points to the battle at the end. And I did like the, I mean, yeah, Mayax and the Jones kind of work together, mm-hmm. um, but you you they're introduced separately. Right. And then you find out later that they uh that they're buddies. So um I'm still kind of trying to figure out what is in the sky when they're traveling. You know, it's like it's just their evil aura because that's how they always notice them. Yeah. You know, it's 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 not just smoke, it's not fire, it's not it's just but there's like that evil aura that travels with them apparently, which yeah, is kind of a nice right. way to see them, but you're right cuz it couldn't be dust either. I mean, come on. It was something. You're right. Yeah. I don't know what that was. I don't know what it was either. So, I'm I'm just going to call it an evil aura. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I like it. All right. Uh, this is where we uh we we're gonna break David's heart. So let's go with the <laughs> let's go That's with okay. a couple a couple of uh, complaints. Uh, Scott, what do you have for us? Uh, yeah, this is gonna be tough. <laughs> this is what I, I, well, okay. I this is like a it's a guilty pleasure movie because it I is. watch it and I'm Absolutely. like, yeah, we're not talking like Academy Award. No, like, you know, not no. at all. No, but I mean, you know, one of the things for me is probably uh, some of the costuming, like. <laughs> I know Come it's a sort like of butt cheeks. Kind of Come thing. on, man. There's a Come lot on. of butt. There's a lot of butt in this movie. Um uh and and in some scenes it's just kind of like we need a different angle or something. <laughs> but maybe just a little bit more fabric would have been good. I mean, even He-Man's butts didn't hang out that much. Um <laughs> but you know, then again, no, I'm not gonna say it's a good thing because we just went through good things, so that's fine. Um <laughs> Uh, the, the process that they went through with the animals, I know that was dye that would just wash off, but Mm -hmm. it's something that kept bothering me every time I was watching it, which was like, they had to dye the tiger. They had to dye the eagle, Mm -hmm. um, which, and I know that it came off and all this other kind of stuff. It just kind of bothers me that they had to go through that process. They could have just used a tiger. Yeah. They could have just used some other kind of animal for it. Um, but it just, it it kind of makes me feel like it's a kind of a mistreatment of the animals, but well, I, I do. That. I know they wanted a Jaguar at the beginning, but um, yep. tigers are easier to train than Jaguars. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Then my whole thing is why make them black? Yeah. Just leave them. The right. regular, you know, what does it matter? It's right, not like, right. it's not like somebody's going to go, they're not native to that area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Well, and like speaking of the, the end scene, like the end battle with the Juns, uh, the big guys riding in on horseback. Mm-hmm. You're the beastmaster. Yeah, just control the horse. Yeah, maybe say like, "Hey, just just rear up and knock this guy into the pit, and then I'll take you and feed you and take care of you." And it's like, <laughs> all right, blink. Hey, yeah. that, the power doesn't work that way. Come on, now he only has a certain amount of certain amount of uh, ability slots for certain animals. <laughs> exactly. That's it, you know, yeah, his warging and everything. <laughs> um, and then there are just I like Mayax's look, but there were certain things about it that took me out of it, and I think mm-hmm. the prosthetic knows and, and um, why why did they do that there's there, another thing just like the the, the the black tiger why did they do the nose yeah there's there's a similar thing that was going on in the original superman movie um when you see young clark and they had to do a similar kind of prosthetic there mm-hmm. and it, it just looks odd and it yeah. was it took me <laughs> out of it every time i saw it i know it's a little thing to pick on but no I yeah, that's that's one of the things um well, and I his mean- little his little skull braids just weird looking well i i actually the nose doesn't look great but i like it because it makes him look more evil for sure you know it kind of makes him look almost to a way of like a bird of prey not in a Mm -hmm. cool way though um 
I, I guess it, cause it's not like, um, it's not like Rip Torn's an attractive man anyway. You didn't have to try hard to make him scary. So uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure why they gave it to him. Maybe it'd make him a little, even more evil, but yeah. Uh, yeah, it is distracting. Cause there's a couple of profile shots. I'm like, Oh, look at the nose on that dude. So yeah. you notice that more than what he's doing. So by the same token, we got to give Rip Torn credit. Cause he had the, uh, they also did something to his teeth, which kept making yeah. me think it was like braces or something, or if they just like put magic marker, like a little dot. Yeah. yeah. Do we have to do yep. this? Okay. Well, <laughs> Like I said, it adds to that man. He's horrible and yeah, disgusting. disgusting. Looking, so. Yep, yep. Doesn't even have a good dental plan. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't. Uh, is that it? <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, you're a lot nicer than I was. Okay, so um, there's a little things about. First of all, I want to say that I love the models of both of the city and mm. um, of uh, uh, for where Dar came from. Uh, yeah. Emerites, the Emerites. Emer. Yep, yep. So, like when they do that long shot, they sh- you see the the little village they have, and I started going. There's like ten houses, but yet there's like sixty people living there. I started to do the math. I'm like, where? Are, you know, where? Are, so it was just one of those little details I didn't notice before. Um, I still like the models, so that bothered me. But anyway. Maybe they all huddle together. Maybe, you know. Uh, <laughs> it was on the set. But when Dark comes out of his, it's like it's him and, you know, he's big enough. It's like So it's him and the dog, I guess, are the only ones that are living in that one. But anyway, right. so um, so we get that early scene where his dad is training Dar to fight, you know, when the bear mm-hmm. shows up or whatever. So here's my thing. We see, obviously, later that Dar knows how to fight. So when the Juns attack Emer, the dad is right up in front holding his sword and if he's so damn good, how come he doesn't even get a swing off before they kill him? I mean, it's just like he's just standing there, like, come and hit me. And uh, right. he just, so he drops. So, so then I'm like, couldn't he have had like a couple of swings, taking a couple of guys out before he got run over? So that bothers me. That's like, seems like, how am I supposed to buy that he's such a great swordsman if he can't even, whatever? So that kind of bothers me a little bit. Um, and you mentioned the final battle at the end. There are some really cool things about it. But when Dar first approaches the town and he pushes that rock into it, man, that mm. is thick. Okay. Yeah, it, is. it is super thick. So if that's the case, all those Juns that fell into it would have been burned to death before they ever would have made it to the other side. Cause there's no way. Cause they come out, they look like they're just walked out of the water. I'm like, okay. So it should have worked. Like it literally should have made everybody that was in there burst into flame. And then anybody that wanted to jump across like the Jun leader did. Sure. But it just seemed to be like, that was a great effect, but they still got through. <laughs> I'm like, really? They just blew up. Uh, it was an awesome shot. A great idea. But I'm like, but how are they getting out? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> just no realism. I'm kidding. In, but whatever. Um, okay. So my other thing that kind of bothered me is when they go to rescue Kiri. Um, and then the priests are bringing her back to be sacrificed. Mm-hmm. They rescue her and it's a great scene. But then... Uh, two things one where the other slave girls go because yeah. they're not there they're just like this go run off into the woods or off into the mountains and get killed or something i don't know they ran away and then somehow just cutting the rope makes them go faster i'm like it's not like it's a rushing river it's kind of so i'm like um okay so that there's just things about it that just kind of bothered me and also they all look like models too all the all the <laughs> they're supposed to be slaves that are whipped like beasts but yet they all look like models I just yeah stop it <laughs> okay there i'm done <laughs> i did kind of wonder in that last scene where there's the final battle with mayax and you know she's on the sacrificial slab and 
they're working to rescue her and all this other kind of stuff. Um, then Dar gets in and he starts engaging him in a fight and she just kind of lays there like, get up. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't well, have you like they were holding her down, but I don't think we were like the, well, the one guy down. hit her in the neck. He, yeah. He knocked her out a little bit, I believe. Yeah. It did hit her in the neck. So she was kind yeah. of probably dizzy or whatever. Yeah, and sure. then you say fight the top, but there's nobody left. Right. <laughs> I'm like, right. Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry. I don't, there's like I said, I do love this movie. Do oh, not yeah. misunderstand. Um, and you're right. It is a guilty pleasure, but there's things as I get older and I start paying more attention. I'm like going, how did I miss that? How, what, how, did, where'd they go or you know, whatever. But anyway, moving on, David complaints. <laughs> no, I, no, I, I, one of, one of my biggest complaints is what you touched on was the, the whole uh, raft out in the lake and they cut the rope. Cause it's like, like, okay, where's that going to get you? Now, mean, now you're just going to sit there and you're, you're yeah. not going to go anywhere. Cause there's no current. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was barely, the river was barely moving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and I'm like, so how is that better? You know? Yeah. I no, I'm with you on that one. That's probably one of my biggest complaints. He'll uh, use but, his powers to talk to the fish and, and they'll, they'll come push it or Aquaman yeah. style. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But Scott, he can only do so many, remember? Right? He only has so many slots. So yeah. True. <laughs> um, to when the attack happened at the beginning and to his, uh, you know, where he lived and his dog got killed. Did you guys notice the obvious still photo of the dead dog? Like they would cut to it to show his dog. Like he woke up and he looked over to see his dog was dead with the arrow in him. It was clearly a still photo of the dead dog. Oh yeah. Like I, I like I guess they were having problems with the dog lying there and not breathing or you know moving around so they couldn't get the shot. So they just used a still photo. Yeah. Uh, not a fan of that at all. <laughs> um, clearly. And then also another thing, and these are just tiny things. Again, I love this film very much. Uh, you know, it's imprinted itself on me, so I, I love it. Uh, <laughs> the other thing that I really found, like, and this is the 80s, um, but the first witch that gets killed by uh, Dar's, like, stepfather when he saves the baby after she, like, you know, brands him on the right. hand and he steps in and kills her and, like, throws her into the fire. Uh, did you hear the scream that she made? I swear to you, they used Scooby-Doo scream effect <laughs> for that right there. I think you might be right. <laughs> yeah, I swear they did. Because I, I replayed it again when I watched it again this week. And I'm like, wow, that is like straight from Scooby-Doo. Um, and again, you know, it's the early 80s. They were being cheap. They were using sound effects they probably already had. You know, had. They didn't have to right. make any. So I'm sure they just reused something. Now, so. I want to talk about the when the witch shows up and takes removes the baby from the wife you know from dude, the queen was, dude that was it, creepy oh yeah. my god and puts it in the cow i'm like yeah i remember the first time i saw that i was like am i seeing this because that's <laughs> yeah. and even as i get older i think it gets more disturbing the older i get yeah and that that bothered me as a kid when i first saw that i'm like this is this is scary are you kidding me can yeah. you do this <laughs> yeah you're looking around to say like should i be watching this is that right yeah. okay all right all right i'll keep going and then we get to the pond and we're like yeah i'm definitely watching this no it's <laughs> exactly <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all right any other words uh final words before we move on to our next movie nope uh okay. i i did find something that was a little bit of an interesting point of interest um i didn't know that tanya roberts a few years later made sheena queen of the jungle yep yes where she communicates with animals <laughs> <laughs> you know strange so right kind of interesting but anyway yeah yeah by well, the way did you speaking of her did you know demi moore auditioned for that role yes yeah, I she was actually one. Um, the I believe it was director wanted her yep. uh, before the Tanya Roberts got the job. So that would have been interesting to see it if, if, 
if, how her career would have gone after doing this movie. So he just right. she would have been Sheena. That's the <laughs> <next time. laughs> Maybe she would have been a Bond girl, just like you know, you know, uh, Tanya Roberts was. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. True. All right. Moving on to crawl. On a distant planet, a great kingdom was ravaged by beings who came from the future. <laughs> Now, the only survivors follow a doubtful seer and a throneless king. They will hold her in the Black Fortress. You must have help. Thieves, bandits, fighters and brawlers. Desperate men. Those are the kind of men I need. Well, you heard him. We are now an army. At the end of an impossible journey, they must fight an invincible enemy. Here's the knowledge you seek. I shall be your king. In the fortress, you will face more than the slayers. What is about to happen to them could never have happened on Earth. Columbia Pictures presents a world apart from anything you have seen before. Crawl. Uh, so when and where did you guys see this? Uh, I'll do my quick story first because um, I still to this day can't believe the choice I made. So I actually was going to the theater with some friends of mine and we were going to see Jaws 3D because, you know, it was Jaws and it was in 3D and I was young and stupid. <laughs> and we're there inside the theater, inside the lobby, and a couple of my other friends were coming. They're going to see Crawl. So at that moment, I had a choice to go Ooh. see Jaws 3D <laughs> or go see Crawl. And I was like, I want to go see Jaws 3D. And I came out of that going, I wish I would have seen Crawl. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Crawl came later. It was on cable. Uh, I'm sure I rented it because my friends were like, it's so good and whatever. So, yeah. So I'm still to this day. I'm thinking I should have gone to see Crawl instead. How about you guys? Uh, well, my first time was honestly on HBO Max. Um, <laughs> what, last week? Oh, was well, it? Really? Okay. Wow. Yes. Okay. First time I've ever wow. seen this full one. all the way through. Yeah. So um, and I don't know why it never stuck or why it never hit um, because the the poster was great. Although there mm, were too yep. many words on it. Um, and the, the glaive weapon looked really cool. Um, I don't know if it was just, I never had the the chance to see it or I never gave it a try or, or whatever, but um, I, I never really wanted to watch it. Um, so obviously watched it for this because it was a, it was a good opportunity to do so to finally check that off the list. Because I think, you know, in terms of eighties pop culture, uh, mm-hmm. especially the glaive itself is, uh, is really iconic, um, okay. and interesting to see. And I'm, I'm glad that I did see it. Um, I, I think I probably should have given it more of a chance. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but no, it was, it was, it was a really cool movie. Um, and, um, I just think there were parts of it that were probably a little too slow. So if I had watched it when it originally come out, um, I, it probably still wouldn't have hit, uh, because it took, I think, a good 20, 30 minutes for it to actually pick up for me. Agreed. Okay. All right. How about you, David? So it's funny that we're doing these two movies together 
uh, because seeing the Beastmaster actually led me into wanting to see Crawl. Um, so I went to the video store and rented Crawl I, and some other fantasy movies. I don't remember, but um, I do specifically remember this one. Uh, and that's where I saw it and immediately fell in love with it, too. Okay. All right. Very cool. Now, Scott, some production history from you on Crawl. Yeah. So um, this came out in 1983 after three years of development. Um written by Stanford Sherman, um, who I thought had kind of an interesting additional connection to, uh, he had also done any way to way, but loose <laughs> two movies that don't really fit. That's fine. Nope. Um, directed by Peter Yates, uh, who was also known for Steve McQueen's bullet, mm-hmm. um, which is for a hot wheels guy like me is always an iconic movie to think of, <laughs> right. um, score by James Horner. I'm going to let Dave, talk to James Horner. <laughs> oh, James Horner. My favorite composer right yeah. next to John Williams. Yes. Yep. And really mm-hmm. well done. Yes. Um, so this was originally titled Dragons of Krull, um, which had the beast as a dragon, uh, which was one of the many changes to the script that continued to evolve throughout production. These changes in the script meant that set design was always constantly changing um, and the already large budget continued to grow kind of out of control. I think the estimated budget was 47 million and it only made 5 million opening weekend and 16 million worldwide. Ouch. Yeah. So unfortunately it was a box office bomb uh, that never made back the cost. um, But it has since then gained quite a cult following and Mm -hmm. obviously things about it still remain iconic to this day. Some interesting things about the production. uh, It was sought shot on several sets on the Pinewood studios. Uh, more than 23 movie sets were made and 10 sound stages were used at the Pinewood studios, including the, the massive uh, famous 007 stage, uh, one of the largest sound stages that's out there. And uh, the, the special effects, there's kind of an interesting connection with uh, Derek Meddings, who is also in charge of the effects for Superman and Superman two. Hmm. Cool. Very nice. Now, before we get into other stuff with the movie, um, so Lissa, uh, the would-be queen played by Lissa Anthony, uh, she was in a music video. Anybody want to take a guess? During the 80s, she was in a popular music video. Nope. Didn't come across. Okay. She's actually in the uh, Brian Adams video, Run to You. Really? She's the girl he's singing to, and she's running (laughs) through. the. So yeah, she's in that. And her voice was dubbed in this movie because she was too English. So they yeah. got somebody else. Yeah. So if you're noticing why the ADR doesn't quite look, it's because somebody dubbed her voice because the producers felt that there's too many English, you know, English sounding people in the movie. So she was one uh, of the ones that was dubbed. They should have left that alone. They should have, yes. because I mean, considering the aesthetic of this thing, it's very yeah. King Arthur. It's very, absolutely. yeah. Agreed. But yeah. So check her out in the Brian Adams video, uh, run to you. And I would, you know, because that's two things we haven't heard her voice in. So there you go. Hmm. <laughs> and did you guys notice between these two movies, apparently quicksand was a really big deal in the eighties, mm-hmm. you know, because <laughs> both movies. <laughs> and then of course, you know, that was a swamp in never, <laughs> but still I'm just, <laughs> what do we do with them next quicksand. Let's do it. I know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Hey, I saw this in blazing saddles. Let's put quicksand. In there. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, All right. I'm a dumbass. All right, David, uh, some favorite things about the movie. So loved the cinematography of this film. 
Yes. Um, absolutely beautiful from beginning to end, uh, in my opinion. Um, you know, as much as I love the Beastmaster, I felt this movie was a lot better when it came to the camera work uh, and the cinematography. Uh, you know, so that really stands out to me. Um, it really had that much more Dungeons and Dragons feel uh, to it. And I believe I read somewhere that, you know, this movie does kind of get related to that uh, of, of a Dungeons and Dragons because of, you know, you've got a magician, you've got you know, a wizard, you know, right. warriors and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, yeah, I don't know. I definitely want to call out uh, James Horner's score again. I know Scott already mentioned that. Um, and I believe you mentioned that you felt like you like the Beastmaster score better by Holdridge. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> okay. Well, for, for me, it's it's actually opposite. Um, right. I, now, I do feel that Lee Holdridge's score for the Beastmaster fit the film better. I do yes. agree with that. Um, but just James Horner's theme for Crawl uh, that, that, you know, pops up throughout the film, I just felt was just really well done. And, you know, I, and again, I'm a huge James Horner fan and I have been <laughs> for years. So, of course, I'm going to probably say that. Um, and but I, I still felt like I love the score a lot more than I did the Beastmaster. But hey, that's me. OK. Uh, and then the other thing, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff I really like about this film, but I don't want to name everything. Uh, so the other thing that I got is I absolutely love the death of the seer. And when, yes. we, got, when mm. we got his replacement in the swamp. Right. Yeah. I thought that was creepy as crap, <laughs> especially when the the the, uh, the replacement eyes opened up and you had this that black milky look to his eyes. Right. And then, and then then he gets killed. And oh, my God, it was just creepy as hell, man. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. howl that he kind of gives as he's yes. dying and then that getting sucked into the sand. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That That's super, that, well done. Yeah, to your point, uh, it's like the difference. Um, you can tell, obviously, that this movie had a bigger budget. Oh, yeah. Than the Beastmaster. And um, yeah. So to that point, yeah, it definitely looks better. Uh, costumes. There's actually more uh, fabric on these costumes. So, um, <laughs> yeah, there you go, Scott. <laughs> so, I heard they yeah. had like hundreds of costumes for this thing. I'm sure they had to. Yeah. I mean, because you know it was before CG, so everybody actually was wearing something. Yeah. I so. mean, it's not like Padme in the the prequels <laughs> where she has a different outfit for every scene, but it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, I will admit that there are parts of the score that I I do enjoy, um, but I'll get to that complaint a little later. Okay. Um, all right. So some of the things I really, really liked about this, uh, the beast is awesome looking, you know, the, all the shots of his, the close-up shots of his eyes, uh, just every time you see him, it's a, it's usually a different view. Uh, but man, he was scary. You know, it was truly like, you know, with his, Oh, the beast isn't like, well, the beast, whatever. Then you see him, you're like, okay. Yeah. Um, kind of horrifying. Um, I really like that. And of course the inside of the black tower, like his, the right where they kept uh, Lissa. Uh, then once you get inside, it's um, you know, lots of smooth hallways. And so, so I really like the whole look, the whole aesthetic to that, the weapons that our heroes use and even the stalkers, but their axes, their swords. Um, but they have that otherworldly look to it because Krull is another planet, but mm -hmm. um, it was just different enough to where it didn't feel like it came out of you know medieval king arthur stuff so it, it had its own look and i really like that uh that detail to it the one of the, my favorite things about this movie is how the stalkers die yes it's like mm -hmm. there's a screech yeah. they they glow and then whatever's left you know the you know the i guess the its essence or something goes into the ground and and then you're mm -hmm. thinking 
do they just go back to the black tower and then get regenerated? Cause right. I mean, Where do they oh go? My, no wonder they can't beat these guys. They just keep recycling these things through. But every time one of those died, you're like, Oh, that is just so cool. So yep. I, I love that whole thing. The, uh, the stalkers are cool, but the way they die is just really awesome. Maybe they had to stay in like that Pac-Man penalty box in the middle and just like boot back and forth until they come out. <laughs> yeah. There's only like a hundred of them. They just keep your new recycled, you know? Right. Yep, exactly. <laughs> All right. Scott, some likes, things you like. Um, well, I gotta say my, the, the big thing that I like was the, the cast of Corwin's 11, um, the yes. escape criminals and the other people that, that help him. Um, yep. which is probably more than 11, but it doesn't make the joke better. Um, <laughs> Like a lot of familiar faces. Obviously, the the big faces for me were um, Liam Neeson, yep. uh, about as young as I've ever seen him. Yeah, um, Robbie Coltrane, who made me do a double take several right? times when I was <laughs> yes, thinking, I know. like, is it? Is that his kid? It's Hagrid. It's Hagrid. <laughs> um, and Alan Armstrong um, does such a fantastic job as the 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 leader of this. Yes, of escape criminals, and he has such a distinctive um, mannerisms and and the way that he carries himself and a distinctive look. Um, I just loved seeing all these characters; they were really well used. Um, probably the one that I uh, didn't like as much was probably the Cyclops, uh, just because he always seemed like kind of bored. Like, <laughs> see, I like the Cyclops. I did too. Yeah, uh, kind of this. I mean, the the character itself, great, but the look. I, I don't know. The prosthetic was not. Looked yeah, the prosthetic was not very good. But they're supposed to be a yeah. sad race. Remember that. Yeah, so true. I, I yeah, guess that was yeah, their real. attempt at him being looking sad. That's true. So. I think the second thing would probably be the sets and the special effects were really well done. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. The things that stand out to me, like you had said before about the beast, I like how it were, there was a slow reveal. Yeah. Of the beast, and you were seeing kind of like his different body parts. Black made him seem so much more intimidating, and you know. Uh, so much more of a daunting kind of uh, uh, thing that they had to to fight, and the uh, the spider with the oh yeah leg. yeah um, I mean it has that Harryhausen kind of feel to it. Yep, there's nothing wrong with that at no. all because I nope. love the Harryhausen. Um, but uh, the way that it moved and the uh, the audio that went along with it, like the special the sound effects that went yes. along with it, I thought yep. were really really well done. Yeah, um, and then I got to mention the the look of the glaive. Um, even though, you know, it kind of looks like <laughs> Freddy Krueger's starfish frisbee, um, <laughs> and it looks like it'd be very uncomfortable to catch again. Yeah, like how it's could something you catch where that? you'd be like, "I'm throwing it; it's coming back." Nope, <laughs> because because he, he's supposed to have it, so it, it's it lands in his hand. Oh, that's really? how you see because okay. only certain people are allowed to retrieve it. So apparently, he's supposed to be able to catch it. So otherwise, I'm True. pretty sure it would just take their hand off. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's very cool looking. I found it kind of yes. confusing when I started watching this for the first time because I've known it as Krull, and then you've got the glaive at the end of the logo. I'm thinking, so is Krull the thing? Is it the the name of the glaive? Is it the name of the guy? Is it the name of the planet? So I, I don't know why they named it after the planet other than it's a cool name, but because it takes place on Krull, I guess. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I guess, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what I got. Move on to the complaints, problems, issues. David, what have you got for us? Um, so the fortress taking forever to disappear at the end. I, I just felt like they dragged that on and on mm-hmm. and on. I'm like, just get done with it, please. Well, they're like, we can make this look really cool. So it's going to go on for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> We're yeah. going to use all of it. We've used our money for this. You're going to watch it. 
<laughs> that's right. But yeah, I, I just felt like that took forever. Um, the when they were actually leaving the uh, place as it was collapsing around them, how they were just completely taking their time. They kept stopping. They kept stopping, <laughs> looking <laughs> like, around. Like, Would you hurry it up? You know, it's falling around you. Yeah, There's no it's like, countdown timer. We'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. It's like the bridge falls apart and they stop. And why is the bridge falls apart? Then they go, oh, we better get going. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> right. I don't go. And matter of fact, I think I was even screaming that just go. <laughs> <laughs> But my biggest complaint is the the very sluggish opening of this film. Um, I know we get like the narration, you know, the uh, it, it you know it's slowly arriving at crawl and it arrives at crawl, but like it seems like it takes forever to build this story up. Yeah. You know, you got the characters arriving to the palace to have the wedding, and then the, the you know we get the wedding that finally takes place, and then the attack finally happens, which that attack was pretty cool. Yeah, but um, until you get to that point, though, it just seems like it's just like, oh my god, can we get this story going? <laughs> you yeah. know at least that's the way it felt to me no i i totally agree with that that's uh i'm glad that you mentioned that because the the space mountain opening crawl uh takes like three minutes and i know that they have to you know go through credits i guess right. um but it takes so long and it's from the side it just looks like a big space rock yeah, <laughs> and I know that's what it was supposed to be, but you don't know what's happening yet. And you're just kind of like, what are we looking at? And it, I, don't, I don't know. It, it did take a long time. And then you've got that slow exposition um, at the at the beginning to try to explain the history of everything just seemed to kind of drag on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I believe the uh, princess was like talking to her dad and they, they were explaining of what was going on. And you oh, got yeah. the intercut of, uh, you know, Colin arriving with with his uh, horses and it just right. kept going back and forth to that. I'm like, oh, my right. God, just get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> We've got these shot of horses. We got to use it. Yeah. Well, my biggest and I actually will, will pile on the opening. Um, it takes forever. And I uh, please don't hurt me. That piece of music that goes along with the arriving ship makes yeah. no sense. It doesn't blend well I agree. because it's like you have it, it only and the music gets gets um, menacing once it lands. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, we're looking at this, the Dark Tower, this, you know, craft that's coming to crawl and the music's all like, Yay! Da -da 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 -da. <laughs> and I'm like, OK, and then you do all these tight close ups on it. I'm like, what am I looking at? Because it, mm -hmm. it looks just like a rock. You're right. So it doesn't look like a ship. It doesn't look like anything else. And that's fine. But. It, 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 the what I'm seeing and then what I'm hearing don't make sense. It drives me crazy. Like every time I've watched, I've watched this three times over the last couple of weeks. And every time I watch, I'm like, not this again. <laughs> and because it doesn't, it doesn't work for me. Nothing against James Horner. And maybe it was the director said, I want this kind of thing at the end, at the beginning. And it just, I don't know. There's a couple of times where the music was just way too nice for what I was seeing on screen. So that that's one of my complaints. Um, and to speak to the visuals, the visuals were great, except one scene, the fire mares, the close-up oh, shot yeah. is so badly rendered. It's, it's awful. It, it's like, I much would have rather seen them, you know, just the long distance shots were fine. Yep. Yep. You know, and that, and then to uh, the point of the taking so long, that whole sequence seemed to take forever too. You know, they're like another shot of them close, another shot of them far. Another shot of them close. Another shot of them. I'm like, yeah, I know they're going a long way. Yeah, come on. Just, just how about the the light changing? It's now it's evening, and we didn't need like the a seven minute ride. I'm like, oh my god. And it literally yeah. kept looking bad. That, so, 
<sighs> okay. I noticed a couple shots like that where it was like you had to really squint to see like we're showing this great landscape shot, but where are the people? Like, right. Yeah. Oh, that's actually my other point. Uh, when uh, Colwyn is climbing the mountain to get to the glaive. Yeah. That music's right. all that's like, it. da, 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 da. And it's like, oh my God, just get to the frigging top of the mountain. Okay. You know, it, it, it went on for way too long. And it's sometimes you're like, where is he? <laughs> you right. know, where, where did he go? So that was my other real big complaint. See, I think this is a recurring theme because we're complaining about <laughs> the same thing, just different parts of the film that yeah. are taking too long. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. the pacing is really not done well. And then they add this wonderful da, 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 music to it. And you're like, uh, it doesn't help. It right. really doesn't help. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's cut off about five minutes of this section and just have them get to it. You know? Yeah. So yeah. there you go. There's my complaints. That's, that's it. Moving on. Scott complaints. Yeah. So, um, so I ended my favorite things by talking about the look of the glaive. So that's why it was so frustrating. The use of the glaive itself. <laughs> you mean so the, I, the lack of use? Yes. That doesn't happen until the last 20 minutes well, of the movie. Yeah. The the old one did set it up. He says, only use it when you have to. He goes, how will I know? He goes, you'll know. So it's like, you know, they're setting up. He's not going to whip this thing out until the very end of the movie. <laughs> so just that's, cool that's, your jets, man. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. That may be fair, but. But you have a poster where it's in the logo and you have him on the poster holding up the glaive and it's, I guess, shooting lasers out of it or something, Mm -hmm. which I don't Um, get that at all. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. And you've got this era of like Tron kind of things where suddenly Frisbees are weapons and you're like, whoa, this is really cool. So you expect this crawl movie to be about the guy who's not named crawl to be using this cool looking Freddy Krueger starfish Frisbee uh, throughout the whole thing, but doesn't use it until the end. And then the use of it, when it does happen seems so unbelievable that it just kind of took me out of the moment. And it made me think back to people complaining on uh, X-Men apocalypse about how uh, it was the fight scenes were just a bunch of people pointing at each other. So (laughs) let's go this glaive thing. And it's not like a, a cool choreography of this thing that like bounces off things like Steve Rogers shield. Um, He just throws it in a direction and then points at it. Mm-hmm. Has no idea what he's doing with it, but I guess he feels some kind of connection, whatever. And it just works like a buzzsaw floating there in air. Yeah. So it's like you've taken this really great set piece, this really great pop prop, and it's just doesn't seem to be used well um, or believably. And I know that's supposed to be like the big main thing, but it just seemed weird. Yep. I agree. Yeah, I what I would like to have seen when he cuts open the thing, have him go at it with a couple like hit it a chunk here a chunk there whatever to go through and like be more active using because he does that later when he destroys uh the beast's room Mm -hmm. his whatever his center so obviously he can do that and when he comes out he throws it at the stalkers which was really cool you know a la tron the tron discs or whatever so yeah it it seemed to me like that him cutting through the thing took so long once again pacing it's like dude we don't need him to stand there with his hand sticking out for five and a half minutes going, I'm cutting a hole in this. <laughs> and then right. you're like, oh, okay. But no, you're absolutely right. They set it up. Um, I'm going to reference Star Wars. You have Darth Maul all over everything, all the promotion materials coming out for episode one, and he's in it for seven seconds. Barely in so, it. <laughs> it's like um, you have, it just, it was a, it's a great idea. It was a mm-hmm. great weapon and we were excited to see it. And I agree. Yeah, they kind of set it up. Well, you, you'll see it at the end, but then you only get to see it really cool a couple of times. 
and then it's, well, and then he loses and, it. <laughs> and, and something that you've mentioned a couple times is like the dun 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 kind of music thing. Um, similarly, the look on his face <laughs> when it's being used. You've got this guy who has quested and collected all of these people. He's gone to all these impossible things. He's done all this stuff for the love of his life. So you've got a chance instead of him just pointing at it and looking happy to have it like, you know, he throws it, it comes back. He throws it, it comes back again. Like show him like, you know, having more and more building emotion as he gets through it so that it's, it's cutting through the thing, but, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The second thing that bothered me, um, I'll just kind of uh, crystallize the saying the princess's perm. Um, (laughs) Her, her, so you remember in Spaceballs when uh, we're on on Princess Vespa's planet and she's about to marry Prince Valium and they're all dressed up in that kind of King Arthur's court kind of look Um, that did take me out of it a little bit Mm -hmm. Um, her hair just seemed a little bit too big it was the 80s but it made her (laughs) seem like she was so much younger than he was um, and I was like, is this the the king's daughter that he's saving? Is this, oh, he's going to marry her? Are they really on the same age? Okay. Uh, that's a little weird, but all right. Sure. Well, to be fair, if you shave Colin, he probably looks like he's 15. <laughs> I'm pretty sure <laughs> that's why True. the beard's on that guy. Yeah. True. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. That just kind of was weird. Um, yeah. Kind of this galactic medieval vibe, but that's, that's fine. Um, Would have been better I, had she looked like she had Danishes strapped to her head. Like <laughs> sure, <laughs> just headphones that she takes off, right? <laughs> um, the alien angle, I don't think was necessary. Um, <laughs> I feel like uh, so the only things that uh, I imagine the only things that having the alien angle involved is that um, it's something that they're not used to, mm-hmm. something they're not expecting, um, and something that they all have to kind of bring the planet together to fight as one. Okay, but you could have easily have done that with like an evil wizard kind of character, especially considering how much magic is involved in this place. Right. Um, And I think that's one of the kind of things that made me never watch this movie was because I didn't know if I was watching a space movie, like an aliens kind of movie, or if I was watching like an Errol Flynn kind of swashbuckling Excalibur kind of movie, which it has that elements in it, too. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and. It's, I guess it also gets you these, um, these, uh, aliens that seem difficult to fight with their mm-hmm. laser weapons. Um, but they can't hit the broad set of a barn. So stormtroopers. What's okay. What's we're not getting into that debate because I will, I will crush you with the whole stormtroopers can't hit anything debate anyway. <laughs> uh, <so laughs> that's crap. No, but that, well, you see it, but you say that, but half his people end up, you know, shot. Yeah, you know, so True. and it's like then they attack the the wedding. Most they're all dead by the time they leave. It's just it's Cohen and then the old one. They're that so so to I, I yes I will agree. The whole alien thing is a little weird, and it makes you go: Is this sci-fi? Is it fantasy? And it's like well, it has elements of both. So okay, whatever. Right. I mean, I guess it wouldn't have mattered if he's still the beast. He still looks like that. It's not that he couldn't have come from the planet somewhere. Maybe right. he comes out of the ground and who knows, but um, yeah, it doesn't, it didn't need to be uh, aliens. And then to that point, um, if these people can't travel through space, how is their son supposed to rule the galaxy? 
Right, right. That's a question. Doesn't make good question. Because it goes, because it literally, I mean, they're they're riding horses and stuff like that. And yes, they have the their weapons are a little, but there's nothing that shows me that in the next thirty years are suddenly going to discover space travel. (laughs) Just no. Well, and would they have been aware of the galaxy as a concept? I yeah, that's a whole. That's another question. You know, (laughs) I mean, seriously, you know, I mean, if they can't travel, then you know, how are they going to know? And that's what make, I guess what, what makes the beast even more frightening is that they did come from the sky. So I don't know. It's to me, it was unnecessary too. I agree. So just a quick question. How long have they been there? These aliens? It, it felt like they just arrived. Yeah. There. It just got yeah. there long enough for them to uh, all realize that they're getting their ass kicked. Yeah. Okay. All right. Because it, it did seem to be a little bit of a disconnect to me to say like, um, we've been fighting them for so long and the, the Cyclops and, uh, their association with it and all this other kind of stuff seems like the black fortress has been there for a long time. Yeah. But the Cyclops was referenced from another, from another time. Right. So, so another planet. So, so obviously there is some kind of way for them to travel because the Cyclops, you know, they got there too. So yeah, there's some, there's some questions, some definite like, um, okay. So if it happened someplace else, so how did the Cyclops get here? So, so yeah, there are definite plot holes. <laughs> just yeah. leave it at that. You know, so I'm I'm not going to defend that. So that's fair. <laughs> I still like the movie. Me too. All right. Anything else, Scott? No. I, well, I'll just end by saying I did actually enjoy this movie uh, a lot more than I thought it would. All right. Yeah. I would I would like to say though I would love to see a TV series about Ergo, Titch, and Rel. Ugh. See, I did not like Ergo. He got on my nerves. You didn't really. I liked I, him. I mean, well, at first okay. he did. See, he's he's kind of like, I mean, by the end of the movie, he kind of showed that he wasn't just an, a bumbling fool. Right. Um, he was he was kind of like the you know, added comic relief. Yep. And sometimes that just doesn't work because he's more annoying than anything else. If if you're that bad of a of a magician, <laughs> it's amazing you're still alive. Right. You know? Yeah. But at the at the same time, but you know, I would, I agree that would have been an interesting, um, an interesting side side story. So, all right, all right, moving on. Let's do some questions. Now, uh, which army would you rather have to fight, the Juns or the Slayers? <laughs> so I originally had put I'd rather fight the Slayers, but your comment earlier about uh, do you have to go back into the ground and then go back and then just become another one and you got to fight them all over again i don't know if i'd want to fight that because that would be a never-ending battle right you'd have to destroy the fortress apparently yeah uh, apparently so i'm gonna have to say i'd rather fight the john johns at that point all right apparently they can walk out of tar though so watch oh, out for that <laughs> just shake it off <laughs> just shake it off what about you scott um yeah i'll, I'll say the same thing um, I had written down uh, that I'd like to fight the Slayers because they're not making effective use of their blaster rifles. Right. <laughs> well, um, I'm convinced they only get one shot because if you notice that when they're standing there, they're all holding that point up, but then after they shoot, they turn it over. So I'm thinking they only get technically one shot on the oh, weapons. So, so it's like a musket kind of thing. Yeah. They okay. shoot and then they move in. And the fact that they can just come up out of the ground, you yeah, know, that's creepy too. Yeah. That's scary as hell. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> But so, the, the Juns just seem so much more brutal and relentless. I mean, their their Mad Max kind of look is a bit more intimidating than the the space look of the Slayers. But 
See, I'm picking the Slayers because I'm pretty sure I'd still lose. But if I'm going to lose, I want to go down to some alien creatures that recycle themselves because <laughs> it seems <laughs> it seems like more daunting. Like, ah, well, if I'm right. going to lose, I might as well lose to these guys. <laughs> but uh, no, the, like I said, the Juns are very cool. So, all right. Um, who would you rather fight with? The escape criminals from Kroll or Seth, Kiri, Tall, and Dar? David. See, this is a tough one because yes, it is. <laughs> both, both of them are, I would love to have at my side to fight. Yes. But I've, I got to throw my love to the Beastmaster. I'm going with Seth, Keth, uh, Kerry, Tal, and Dar. All right. And don't forget the animals. They're there too. Oh, so. of course. Yeah. The animals. And, yeah. Yeah. Toto and Poto. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott. Uh, same. Um, it just seems like more of a fun group. Uh, Seth, Kiri, Tal, and Dar. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the the use of their weapons the use of their powers like um seems so much more unique and memorable to me uh than the escape criminals um even though you know would you really turn down a chance to be in a fight with Liam Neeson that, you know because you know even though there's only nine or seven of nine or whatever the, they're an army because yeah, you know right. nine 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 criminals are worth an army so <laughs> but one of my, them turns into a goose so well he doesn't count <laughs> Although he does turn into a tiger later. So there's our connection. There's a connection. I, there I still get the tiger. I still get the tiger. Because <laughs> I'm choosing uh I'm choosing the, the criminals. Uh because yes. Uh I mean I get to fight next to uh Gwagon Jin and Hagrid. So of course yeah. I'm taking that. <laughs> I, I think either way you go, you're gonna be fine. Yeah, I think yep. so. <laughs> I think so. Okay. Um, so who would be more frightening uh just to look at or be in the presence of the witches or the beast? The witches. Well, I don't know. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. The witches are, are you know, as long as it's the creepy, sexy witches, you, you know, you're going to be looking like the neck down. Okay, good. But come back to us, Dave. Come back yeah. to us. <laughs> no, I'm going with the witches. All right, Scott. Uh, the witches are definitely much more nightmare fuel. Um, it was kind of weird to watch them this time because being like, oh, man. I mean, the, the actresses uh, that performed as the witches i think did a great job of mm-hmm. all the kind of like movement and uh you know it's like dancing crawling moves. up a ceiling yeah yeah um but the fact that they look like the texas chainsaw centerfolds um <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, i that absolutely love that texas chainsaw centerfolds that's amazing that's gonna be um, like we have to have a team called that somehow <laughs> some kind of athletic team i don't care what it is well and texas the, chainsaw the, centerfolds the things that they use so like the eye ring Oh yeah. I thought that was really cool. And somebody who has that kind of a thing, they've got other stuff in their arsenal for sure. And that's just right. the tip of the iceberg. And, um, and, they can, and they can take babies out of people and put them in cows. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> so that, disturbing. That glowing green ooze that looks like the mutagen that used, uh, they used to make bebop and rock steady. Um, <laughs> all the, all the stuff that they had, like it, that's one thing that seemed like they, um, they had the Juns at the end and you have to fight that because it kind of brings it full circle for them. But um, the witches and Mayax were such a big part of it. It almost felt like we won. Okay, we're done, right? Oh, wait. Oh, this has to happen again. And then you kind of look at your watch like, crap, I'm out of popcorn. But okay, let's go. <laughs> okay. All right, gotcha. All right. So which movie has the cooler thrown weapon? And now help me out. What is Dar's? What is it? I keep hearing caper. Yeah, it's a caper. Okay. I because yep. I because like I said, my my uh DVD did not have subtitles. So I want mm. to make sure I got my what, what 
What does he say? Caper? As in like stuff you put you know, on food? Capers? Well, it's, it's, it's caber with a B, not caper yeah. like you put on food. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> See, that helps. See now. But yeah. Okay. So is it the caper or is it the glaive? I'm going with glaive. Even though it doesn't get used a lot, I think the glaive was awesome. All right, Scott. See, I'm going to go the opposite and say it's the caber because um, aside from the fact that it's used more often and doesn't have to have this kind of lofty, like, it's okay, it's really special, and then you'll see it. They're just kind of like, no, this just happens to be a thing that I use. And when they snap it out at first, it very much has that Batarang kind of look. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Um, so for me, it was it was more believable um, as a thrown weapon, whereas the glaive just seems like something that you magically direct. All right. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm going to go with the caber as well. Cause I, I like, you know, like I said, you, t- you tap and it opens up and yep. um, yeah. And I think that's obviously you can pass it because his tall gets it. So right. the glaive is pretty much it's, it's that one dude or, <laughs> or somebody, <laughs> well, now it's gone, but whatever. Still yeah. just saying. All right. So who would you rather have as your queen, Kiri or Lissa? I'm going with Kiri. Yeah, There's no saying. doubt. I'm going with Kiri. <laughs> For, for many reasons, but she <laughs> can fight for me. All right. All right. Well, to be fair, Lissa wanted to fight. True. She but did. she, you know, he said, nope, you got to get out of here. Got to yep. So yeah, she does fall prey to the, a little bit to the um, damsel in distress yep. uh, issue. So what about you, Scott? Uh, yeah, I think what Dave just said changed my mind because at first <laughs> I was thinking Lissa is probably better prepared to be a queen. Yeah, um, because she's probably had the formal training in the background and whatever. However, when you're looking at the individual worlds, um, you know, in the sword and sandal kind of thing, um, we don't know a lot about Kiri's background either. Right. And she's clearly willing to hold her own in a fight. Um, yeah, I'll go with Tanya Roberts in this one. See, my issue is there's still a chance that Dar and Kiri are related so that kind of freaks me out a little bit that she's kind of okay with that. <laughs> That's true. You mean like a she's Luke a cousin? Kind of thing? She's a cousin. She's a cousin. And That's right. I didn't think about that. The, yeah. So she's a cousin. Now, granted, Tall is was born after Dar, so obviously he remarried. So yeah. hopefully, there's a marriage of you know, like they're related through marriage, not through blood, because otherwise, <laughs> this movie has a totally different turn now. I never <laughs> thought about that, Dayton. That's hilarious. Yeah, welcome to my <laughs> twisted brain. Okay, so uh, my choice is Lissa because um, as as wonderful as Tanya Roberts looked, and yes, she would fight. Um, if I I think Lissa would make a better queen. And mm-hmm. she was she was also willing to fight. So I'm going with Lissa because I want to actually hear her real voice. But anyway, yeah. um, so the, the tough question really comes down to these last two, which movie was better made, which I think we can all agree on that one. But which one do you like more? And I know I know one of your answers. So, David, which one's made better? Which one do you like more? So Crawl was made better uh, just because of the budget that it had. Um, you know, I have to give, I got to get a love to that one. But for me, obviously, you know, I'm going with the Beastmaster as being my favorite of the two. Yep. Um, it's imprinted itself on my heart, my soul. And I, I have to say that is the winner. I mean, I knew you were going to say that because you mentioned it on the Dragon Slayer episode. Yep. So I knew, <laughs> knew it was coming. And because of that, and because of Amber's list, hi, Amber, I actually did go back and watch Willow again. And I'm just going to say it right now. Yeah, I don't care about that movie anymore. <laughs> anyway, Scott. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I could just stop short at saying what Dave said. 
because I probably echo every word, but I definitely think Krell is better made, especially when you look at the effects. You talk about that changeling, like the howling scene when he goes sinking into the sand. Um, If they could have gotten to those kind of scenes more, I would have been a lot happier. But regardless of how good this would have been, uh, it wouldn't have been able to top Beastmaster for me just because of uh, sentiment and uh, knowing how much I I connected with this as a, as a kid. Um, And just at a rewatch, you know, I, I didn't have high expectations when I was rewatching it because I was like, Oh yeah, it's the sword and sandal thing. I'm sure it's going to (laughs) be dated. I almost don't want to watch it because I'm afraid that it's not going to be as good as I once thought it was, but Mm -hmm. it held up. Um, when the opening theme came on, uh, seeing the, the, uh, the fight scenes and all this other kind of stuff. And definitely Mark Singer's, uh, sword work, uh, yeah. took me back and it still holds up. Come on. We all did that with sticks. Oh, oh yeah. we saw that. We all did it. Oh, for Room sure. sticks, yeah. sticks, you know, yep. Yep. you know, even especially the like foam swords that they make now, you better believe I was swinging those things around because it didn't hurt <laughs> if I hit myself in the head. It was great. Right. Well, and I had that old, uh, the lightsaber. Uh, that they used to sell with Empire Strikes Back when it was just the hollow tube that was just right. owl. Yeah. Right, yes. Yeah. Um, this was hard for me. because, uh, like I said, I've I've watched both these movies multiple times in recent weeks. And um I saw Beastmaster first. Crawl was actually, you know, a few years later, uh at least. And I've always kind of preferred the Beastmaster. And I think um I think I like the world that they create with crawl. I like the, mm-hmm. uh, I like the, his, his army. Um, I like the slayers and stuff like that. So it's really, really, really tough, but I, um, obviously crawl is just better made. We've already said that. Um, but I think for me, I think crawl just edges out Beastmaster just a little bit. Like if I was going to rank them like Amber did with seven, I think crawl would kind of be just ahead of the Beastmaster. Um, and that's hard for me to say because I've, you know, I've probably seen Beastmaster probably 15, 20 more times than I have seen Crawl. So anyway, uh, I'll be okay. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> any final words, gentlemen? No, I mean, I just love both films. I think they hold up well to this day still. Right. Yeah. And and I have not uh, seen the sequel. I have not seen the series they met after it. I didn't um, even bother. Didn't I still even don't bother. think I'm going to. Do not. Do not. I, really, I want to repeat. Do not see the Beastmaster 2. Do not. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Coming from such a fan, that's a that's good advice. Apparently, <laughs> just don't even yeah. don't go down that bad road. No, it's good. But this is a this is a fun one to get into. Um, and I'm glad we paired them together. And I'm glad that I finally gave this a a shot. All right. I'm glad to have helped. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. All right, uh, listeners, stop back by next week, where we get uh, we have. Tim and Eric stopping by. We're talking about Iron Maiden's album from 1988, The Seventh Son of the Seventh Son. Thank you, (laughs) listeners. Do yourself a favor. Watch more movies. And remember, physical media is better than streaming. The Ducking Bay 77 podcast is produced and edited by Dayton Johnson, recorded with Rode Pod mics, the Zoom PodTrack P4, and edited on Audacity. Opening music provided by Eric Jason Brock, You can find him on YouTube and Bandcamp. Thank you for listening.